0: Well, hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krizmer, and we're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Today, Jason, Josh, and I get to sit down and discuss our call to do more than just pray for our friends and family. Uh, we also discuss some of the differences between the Spirit's actions in the Old versus the New covenant. And lastly, at the very end of the episode, we end with a, a super fun 90s throwback that you are not going to want to miss. As always, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we do encourage you to join us at quadcity.church podcast where you can submit your question to be answered right here on the show. It's through questions like the ones we get to answer today that we get to ensure that that this content is really relevant uh, to you and to what we're learning together as we go through each and every sermon series that we do here at Quad City. And lastly, if you're listening to this the day it drops on Tuesday the 31st, then happy Halloween. And I just want to make one final invite to you to join us on the Prescott location, 501 South Senator Highway for Candy Crawl tonight. It's a come and go event between 4 and 8 p.m. And as we've been saying for the last month or so, it is a huge opportunity for us to open up our campus to the public, uh, to people with all sorts of backgrounds, different stages and walks of life, people who may be uh, part of a church or may not. Uh, We just love the idea of opening up our campus to be a safe and fun place for people to bring their kids and have a, a good and enjoyable experience within the doors of a church. Who knows? Uh, some of those people may even come back for a Sunday experience. Uh, so I'd just invite you uh, not only to join us for that event, but join us in prayer for the thousands of people that will walk through our doors, that through our hospitality and just enjoying an evening together, that we might be able to impact their lives for the sake of the gospel. Well, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday,
2: almost the end of October.
0: It's it uh, Halloween week, Candy Crawl week, getting prepped for that. Are you guys uh, You guys coming down for Candy Crawl?
2: Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: Be here. Good, should be a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, kick us off. You had a, a really funny news story that you saw that you wanted to share. I did, I wanted to share this because
2: I just found it pretty, I don't know, not ironic. Is it? It's probably irony, ironic, yeah. So in 2017, there was a 70-year-old man. Who robbed a bank in Kansas City? And then he sat down in the lobby saying he would rather go to jail than to live with his wife any longer. <laughs> he was sentenced then to house arrest, <laughs> which I feel like is the
0: pettiest <laughs> judge ever. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Imagine the disappointment sitting in the courtroom. Oh, man. What do you mean he sat in the lobby?
2: At, in the bank. Like he just oh, sat, sat in down the, lobby. the bank. He robs got the got bank go, and then just
1: sits down. It's like, <laughs> take me. <laughs> take me to jail. <laughs> so he robbed the bank, but didn't even try to get out with the money. He yeah. just bank. wanted to break a law to get out of his <laughs> wife's presence. And he knew like that's a big one. Like if you just
2: yeah. steal from a cashier, like it's probably not as big yeah. to rob a bank is it's probably federal.
1: It, for sure.
2: Yeah. And then he got sentenced to house arrest. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so man, funny. that judge was like, essentially, like, what you need is marriage counseling. <laughs> so, here you go.
1: That's the worst warden ever right there <laughs> in his living room. In the picture oh, they have,
2: like, his face, it just seemed really upset. Oh, man. <laughs> He's not a happy camper. So,
1: how did you come across this six-year-old news story <clears throat> from 2017? So, randomly… I follow on
2: Twitter this, like, news thing of just – it's actually called morbid knowledge. Um, It's typically, like, kidnappings or stuff like that. I don't know. It's, like, serial – yeah, it's weird. And then – so, it just is on my feed. Like, I don't follow it just as I've stopped and looked at them enough on the algorithm that it's like, oh, Josh likes this. (laughs) And this was the one I saw. And I was like, oh, that feels like a banter for our podcast. That's how – you know, you guys, we don't just have these – Great ideas sometimes. Sometimes no. it's we have to think about them. So that is really good. I thought about because I thought about your marriage. What made me think of it was yesterday when you were talking about we're not even great with the person sitting next to us. That's right. My wife looked at me and was like, "Don't say anything." <laughs> I was like, saying nothing. <laughs> not saying anything. That's pretty funny. So that is what you do. had some funny news. Not funny. Unfortunate news as well. UVA. Well,
1: yeah, it happened a couple of weeks ago, right? I had, many of y'all probably heard about this one. Poor, there was a lady from Chicago, Chicago, hundred and four years old, and she went skydiving. And has she ever done it before? Does it no, no. Okay, uh, so she went skydiving, and she was going for the record of the oldest person to ever jump out of. An airplane, and she died the week. Uh, he she died uh, just a couple of days after before Guinness could uh, confirm her record. Hmm. Like that's, that's that's. I mean, a, that's a bad day.
0: Certainly they can go back and verify it,
1: right? You would think she but, has like a
2: birth certificate. Yeah, they did
1: those back then, right? I don't know. <laughs> But I, I was like, that's she didn't even get to celebrate that, though, right? So, uh,
2: Nate uh, Bargatu was on uh, SNL this week, um, and I'm typically not an SNL guy, but Bargatu was on there, and he said something he was talking about. He goes, "Yeah, I'm from the I'm from the 1900s,"
1: and <laughs> yeah. I thought about that for a <laughs> bit. And he was like,
2: "He was like my daughter." In he's like, "I'm 44," you know. He's like, yeah. "My daughter, when she's my age, it's gonna be 2057." Yeah, He goes, I'll have more people in, I'll have more in common with the pilgrims than I do with people. <laughs> and i just like thinking of that like.
1: Oh, that's what He was
2: like, that's what we tell people. I was yeah. born in the 1900s. Late now.
1: 1900s. That seems really old. That's what the Gen Zers are saying about us. It feels like that. Late, late 1900s. <laughs> that's how it was in the late 1900s. Yeah. Uh, uh, like
2: my, they're doing for my son's yearbook retro 90s oh nice and i was like i don't oh it's already retro oh for sure it's retro it hurt like that was the theme that is really funny had like walkman on the cover and all this stuff and they could like (laughs) draw a picture and i was like this is that was that's not was. that's not that long ago
1: dude it was like i know it was and (laughs) It would be like in, you in the '90s doing something from the '60s.
2: I know that's how far away we are.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Hmm. And it just hurts a little. It does. I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't help too that like the the technological advance was so so rapid uh, <laughs> that it makes it feel as if there's a larger gap than probably there really is. <laughs>
2: that's, that's what that's what his thing was on the SNL. Usually it's like a nine minute monologue, and he talks about going to like county fairs, yeah and his line is like yeah they were just on the interstate an hour ago and now we're riding these rides and i was like (laughs) yep he's right and And somehow that still exists and the government didn't care (laughs) like yeah get on that ride right there that just was barreling down i-75
1: it's like a great idea that was a very kentucky reference right there i-75
2: but that was the the, did they have, like, county fairs? We talked about this. Did they have that in Chicago, like, local county fairs?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they do. You know, the big thing, though, was the Taste of Chicago on Navy Pier every summer. Yes. Um, so that was, oh, and I remember, I've got, like, one memory of going. We didn't, uh, maybe we went more often, but I only have the one memory of it. Uh, but that was a big deal. I mean, yeah. And it's obviously a massively populous city, populated city. So, you, yeah. so you have things to do. Yeah. That's why maybe, they gave us the fair. Growing up in Phoenix though, like the um uh, uh do they call it the Maricopa County Fair that's downtown every year? That thing's huge. I mean they do well, it for a few it's weeks. The state fair, right? State fair. Maybe state it's the fair state is fair. going on right
1: now. Yeah. No. Uh is or, it going on right now? Maybe it just ended.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But that I remember growing up, that was a big thing. I actually never went to that one, I don't think. Neither. But uh, went to the
2: county fair though. Did you? Go after a certain time and get in
0: free, ride all the rides, like six dollars. Prescott's got the one at the, uh, radio grounds every
1: that, year.
2: Is that in the spring or in the fall?
1: They do They just, they drive through town and they just stop. It's like two or three times a year. I'm like, where do these come from? <laughs> two or three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been.
0: Yeah. It's a great time though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. It all is. Right. Anyways. Uh, hey, let's dig into, uh, Sunday's message. Uh, this past Sunday, we were in, uh, was that week five?
1: Of, hey, before we yeah. jump into that, we do, I need to do a bit of a mea culpa from last week. All right. So last week, um, I got an email, or I, yeah, last week I got an email from our dear listener, um, Mariella Hastings. Okay. So she sends me an email uh, concerned about a, a some confusion about a theological stance that we may or may not have held based on something that I said. So I need to clarify this. Um, So last week we were talking about um, the book of Revelation and talking about um, apocalyptic literature. And instead of talking about, you know, apocalyptic literature, I said apocryphal. Mm. And those are not the same. Yeah, small difference. Yeah, big difference. <laughs> yeah. So, for those of you who are unaware, the word apocryphal means made up. It's like you're just uh, it, you. It's it means it's not true. That's what apocryphal means. Apocalyptic is um, a a designated type of writing that has to do with prophecy. The word literally means. Um, behind the veil or behind the curtain. It's like you're getting a picture of something from the unseen. So that's what apocalyptic means. So uh, we believe that Revelation is apocalyptic. We do not believe it's apocryphal. So uh, thanks, Mariella, for uh, helping uh, bring that to my attention last week. So I just appreciated that. So I want to make sure we say that up, up front. We don't Good. think Revelation is apocryphal.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. All right, well, let's dig into this week, then. Uh, We were uh, continuing the Someone's Missing series, week five, talking about what the spirit doesn't do or won't do. Um, And the list was a little bit smaller list of texts this week than it was last week, but uh, uh, still so much to dig into there. So before we dive in, just want to... Uh, open the floor to you guys and see what stood out. Did you get any feedback on on any of these? What, were there six main points here that you had? Honestly, uh, I don't even remember. Yeah, I think
1: there were. I think there were six.
2: Yeah. But yeah, what's the <laughs> six? with like one was a double point, kind of.
1: Yeah, I had a couple of those.
2: Yeah, really the yeah because the Holy Spirit, uh, His Word, and and one con and then the next one replace. Yeah. they were kind of yeah. like a one and one a essentially. There were technically seven. We should
1: have, by the way, we should have just talked about the video. We wanted some good banter. We should have just talked about the video.
2: Yes, we should have because.
1: <laughs> hold, sorry, I got really excited. I came out of my chair, guys. You could have seen it.
2: that. So, Jason, we're watching the video at eight o'clock. Sorry, so this pregame, is pregame, in it. We're making sure it works. So this is double ban, double banter. Sorry for you all who skip ahead. Ken may. Um,
0: This part's relevant, though.
2: It is relevant. Jason goes, hey, this is so-and-so from Wilson Phillips. And I was like, Wilson Phillips?
1: Wait, pause. So the lady in the video video, who's doing the Holy Spirit Activate is one of the singers from the 90s Christian band, Wilson Phillips.
2: And that's what, when he said Christian band, I was like, what? I had no clue. Like, I had zero, like, only thing I know is that one song, Hold On For One More Day. Like, that's the, like, jam. (laughs) That's all I know of that. And I was like, Jason, that can't be the same group. Like, I was baffled. Like, I mean, I was like, are you sure? He was like, I'm pretty sure. And then we Googled it, and sure enough, that's Wilson Phillips. And I was like, what? Like, I, I don't even know what to do with that. And so Molly, who is also around our age, was like, yep, that's it. I just had no clue that that was a group. I know the one song that they did, I would have never known they were a Christian yeah. group. Because that song is not really Christian, I wouldn't say. Yeah. No, but
1: they had a bunch of others.
2: And, which had no clue. I thought they were one hit wonders, one song in the 90s. Hold on for one more day. Ah. <laughs> <Den>, this is a great jam. I like gonna be in your head all day. You're welcome. But they were Christian, yeah, Christian music artists. What were we doing in the nineties?
1: Wow. It's a train wreck.
0: That's fantastic. Mm.
1: Yes. So, so all of the all of the Gen Xers who grew up in youth group can go back and listen to Wilson Phillips and know that was that lady on the video was one of the people from Wilson Phillips.
2: And so it actually makes it worse that she was saying that because she—
1: For sure. That's what I said. People are crazy. Like,
2: originally, like, I thought it was just some random person. and Like, you made your money off, like, theology, kind of. And
1: you're— It's very loose. Okay,
2: that's very loose. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. And that's just, like, a very light definition. I think that is—but it was a great, like, people are— people people be crazy
1: and they blame the Holy spirit for dumb stuff
2: and they do that boy. he
1: should that he shouldn't he shouldn't have to take the fall for that
2: they do yeah mm-hmm. all right so yeah but to the sermon i thought it was great the that part about the word how it's his word and he won't uh contradict what's in the revealed word sure because we talked about this a couple weeks ago so many people say the spirit told me and how do we know what to do? I think that was actually a question. Like, I don't want to be put off. I don't like. I don't want to ignore people. So now I think we have a barometer. We go, hey, is it? Does it fit within the revealed word of God? Yes. And if yes, then maybe the Spirit did tell them that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Like it, it, it's. But for your life, you can look back at the word and go, is that what the word says?
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and too, right on the flip side of that, it gives you a confidence around the idea of like hey if it is not if it is not affirmed in the word of god then you can be certain that it is not what the spirit is saying to you right right um so just a bit of a check and balance there which i think can be really really helpful yeah so.
2: because again it sometimes is the cuz it is like we talked about it's hard to argue with someone that goes the spirit told me
1: yeah well it just ends the conversation yeah. cuz what are you supposed to say no he didn't yeah now we can say no he didn't if it goes against the revealed word of God. Right. That's that that does give us a standing to say, no, he didn't say that. You know right. how I know? Because he wrote it down over here.
2: Right. Yeah. Which is yeah, really really and there could have been so many more of those that yes. were listed. I think were um probably really helpful for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. For me, I think the um just the ending with the idea of um shame and what is The sometimes the thing that sometimes feels like a fine balance between what can be a conviction from Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit and an attack from the enemy and just wrestling and parsing out those things and kind of giving people a way to identify um, the difference. Uh, I just think there's a lot of people that need to hear that Um, for sure. A lot of people that need to. Uh, walk that out and uh, yeah even just looking I was in, on the press campus this week looking throughout the room at each service and thinking oh yeah this is good like yeah. this, this will be a good uh, takeaway that um, I think can in, inspire hope
1: for people so I thought that was uh, really helpful which just gives us one more opportunity to wave the banner for discipleship groups again mm-hmm. I think the the need for community to have those conversations where we are repenting and confessing of sin, that we actually have people ask us the question, hey, you're dealing with this shame. Is it? Yeah. Is it because you have some unrepentant sin we need to work through? Or is it because you have an enemy that you got to fight? So mm-hmm. which one is it? So those community, or I'm sorry, those discipleship groups, building those community, that is just mm-hmm. such a huge deal. So again, just wave the banner for that. If you haven't done that yet, that's one of the biggest, biggest reasons why we do those groups.
2: I did. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, that is the reason. I was actually talking to somebody about this. Like, we have these groups for these questions to hold us accountable, to ask us these very, very real things. Not that we're also not talking about scripture and talking right. about the, or reading a book. like. But really, the heart of them is accountability and transformation yeah. and people going, hey, you said you were going to do that thing. Did yep. you actually do it? Um, yep. I actually had a lady come up to me, and she was talking about, hey, I've actually been experiencing sitting with a lady on a one-on-one basis, so kind of like a CTO, not doing CTO, but kind of like it, where she was finally confessing some unrepentant sin mm-hmm. and sharing how free she has been feeling.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so for
2: her, it was like a confirmation. Sunday yep. it was like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. Like that she didn't even realize that, oh, I do need to con I do need to confess. And sometimes just confessing with other people too. You may have said it in your mind, but you still feel that conviction. Sometimes another person or your group yep. is a way to even experience more freedom. You know, yeah. exposing it to the light is always a great thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the James Four James Five text, right? Yeah. That confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. Mm-hmm, definitely. Right. Um it is the the prime example of that, yeah, at least in our local expression,
2: and then too, I think the last one was really helpful, just the feelings and we talked about this a lot as we you were kind of working on the sermon um just so many times people sit in our office or with us at coffee shop and go man i don 't feel God anymore mm. like that 's a pretty common theme um a lot of people who are on the edge of walking away that 's kind of what they you know what their struggle is. And just a reminder of like our feelings are liars at times. Um, they're just not the best. Um now they can't help us reveal things, they can't help us see things, but we have to bank on God's promise in that moment. Mm-hmm. Cause yes, your feelings go up and down throughout your journey
1: of faith. And I think a lot of it comes back to our ability to quench the spirit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I think the not always, but there are many times where my lack of intimacy with the Lord via the Holy Spirit is due to my own choices. It's not the Holy Spirit who's walking away. It's me and Hmm. my choices and my sinful desires and me living out and not pursuing Hmm. being in the Word and being in prayer and being in community. And so I... I don't think we should be too surprised Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't feel an intimacy with the Lord if I'm doing everything but spending time with the Lord. Right, yeah. It's same with your wife, same with your kids. Of course, you're not going to feel close to your spouse if you're not spending dedicated time on an ongoing basis trying to be uh, experience a close relationship with them. Like, if you, if you just put it on the back burner, of course there's going to be a drifting apart. And we shouldn't be surprised when the same thing happens with the Holy Spirit. And
2: sometimes there's really hard seasons. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel glorious. Yeah. That doesn't mean that God has left us That's or right. he is with us. And even more so, I think, when we look back and go, oh, for sure, I can see the hand of God. I can see the spirit in my life. I can but in see those the
1: footprints m- in the sand.
2: <laughs> Another 90. <90th> record, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. For sure, that was in my, man, that was so in my mind. Yeah, if you weren't correct. <laughs> There's somebody who has that, like, on a pillow. They for sure
1: have it hanging on the wall. And
0: that's- you've just crushed them. <laughs>
1: Way to go, Pastor.
0: Oh, <laughs> All <right. laughs> Let's dig into some questions here uh I had a few uh, a few good questions here. two of them are along the lines of a line that you said that I think we probably all could have made the the assumption was gonna get some questions about it right this idea that uh and I think the way you framed it was really helpful at least in the uh nine thirty and eleven i think uh this idea around and you prepped the room right prior to saying it, but it was uh it was this idea. That for most of us, we need to stop just praying for people in our lives to be saved, for people in our lives to come to Jesus, for them to be baptized and to uh, walk in faith in Him. And really, the heart behind that statement was because we're called to not just pray for those things; we're called to act. You know, the the um, we've been commissioned rather like the greatest mission in human history is to go make disciples. Um, and that doesn't look like exclusively sitting in your room and praying for your friends. Now that could be a, a piece of it for mm, sure. Yeah. Significant piece of it. Um, praying for the spirit to give you opportunities to act on it, all of those things. So a couple of questions along those lines. Uh, Dora asks this or is a frequent listener listener to the podcast and so thanks for this question. Here it is. Uh, she says, it stuck with me when Jason said, you can't, just pray for others to believe and be be baptized. Is it that our prayers instead should be more specific as to actions that we need to take and asking for help from the Holy Spirit for us to engage with and
1: teach our friends? Absolutely. I think she nailed it. That's exactly what we see in scripture. So let me just give you a couple of verses to kind of help us get the idea of maybe a better prayer than just... Father, save my friend or save my kid. Uh, Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter six. He says, and I, I'm sorry, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of uh, prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So I think that's that's the prayer. Paul says, when you're praying, here's pray that I, when I'm sharing the gospel, pray that I do it fearlessly. Pray that I do it boldly. That's the prayer that's gonna move the kingdom forward. Um Here's another one in Second Timothy chapter two. So this is a, again a great con, uh context of evangelistic uh conversations that we should be having. And we get to see in this text what we do and what the Spirit does. So it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 24. It says, and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents, and when we say opponents, that would be people who do not believe what we believe. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive. So again, The prayer there is not, hey, pray for God to share the gospel. Pray that they have this sense of overwhelming desire to come to the, no, it says you have to gently instruct them. You got to share the good news. But the prayer is that God would grant them a heart of repentance. So there is an inward work that the Holy Spirit does to grant them a heart of repentance, to turn from the enemy and turn to the Lord. But it comes in the context of you got to gently instruct. You have to share the the news that's going to help them get to know Jesus. And I would just point out, here's the the greatest picture of all of it. If we want to understand what the prayer should be when it comes to sharing the gospel or helping people come to faith, here's the greatest example that we have. It's in Matthew chapter 9. It's Jesus. And he sees this huge crowd of people and his heart breaks because he knows they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know the Lord. And in that moment, Jesus could have turned to his disciples and said, hey, pray that these people would come to know the Lord. Pray that the Holy Spirit would fall on them, and they would surrender and recognize me as the Messiah. Pray that they would open up to the work of God in their life and come to faith in Jesus. Pray that for them. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus turns to his disciples and say, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray. Here's the prayer. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus takes this prayer and says, The prayer to help these people who are harassed and helpless is not asking God to somehow fill the gap and change their hearts. It's asking God to send his people into the crowds so that they can hear the gospel and turn to him. So I think Jesus' own words are the greatest picture of what it is that we should be praying for when we think about our lost loved ones.
2: Yeah, Paul says too in Colossians 4, Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So the same thing. Yeah. And so beginning of 22, 22, beginning of 22, beginning of 23, when did we do the— um? Was it the beginning of? No, it wasn't this year. Beginning of 22.
0: Spring of 22. No,
2: beginning of 22, you did a series over our- yeah. uh making more. Making, not making more, no. Beginning of 22, you did our mission statement. Oh, yeah, yeah. And always, you talked about that. So if you weren't here then, so we Jason broke down what is more, what is better, what is everywhere, what is always, and in that, you said that two years ago. Yeah. So hopefully for people- who have been around. That's not a new statement. We said it again when we talked about in the making more thing on Wednesday night, um, the beginning of this year. We said it again when we talked through the prayer, but that was the specific verse you even used um, for that series, just walking through what our mission statement is. So I think you give it a little more time, a little more context in that. So hop on our website, go back, listen to that, because again, this is not a new it's not like you just said it for the first time and right. are offending people. No, we've said it before. Yeah. And I think we just have a, a new people in the room. Yep. So it is like, a oh, wait a minute. So this is not a, yep. just again, not a new idea for you at least to have said, hey, we probably should stop doing what we're doing and actually, and it's in the context of we've pushed it back to go, nope, God, your job. Yep. Yeah. You do, I, yep. you, you're not going to use me. Yeah. And no, no, he actually, that's how he does it. That's right. So
0: So, similar question, but maybe a slightly different take on it. Um, Janet says, I understand your point well taken uh, that we should stop just praying for uh, the salvation for others and instead share the gospel with them. But what about people? uh, What about praying for salvation for people uh, who we have little to no contact with? Um, She gives this example. I often pray that God softens the hearts uh, to understand and receive the gift of eternal of of eternal life, for example, I'm praying for the hostages in Gaza, whom I have never and likely will never meet.
1: oh again, great, you should be doing that, and I think the <clears throat> I think Jesus again, Luke ten uh says the same thing, so you got it in Matthew nine, you got it in Luke ten. Jesus gives us the example of what you should be praying. You should be praying that the Lord would send harvesters into his harvest field. Like the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. There's no place where that's more true than in Gaza. Again, there's um, less than 1%, like 0.2. I mean, it's really small, really small, of Palestinians who are Christians. There are some. Mm -hmm. There are some Palestinians who are Christians, and there are some – who have the heritage of uh, uh, being Jews, like ethnic Jews who are Christian. So they they do exist, It's but it's a very small minority. We should be praying for the Lord to send workers into his harvest field. That has been part of what I've been praying throughout this whole thing, is God, send your church into Gaza to meet these people where they are because they uh, – Again, this may be the moment in their life where they are most open to the working of God than they've ever been before. In the midst of pain, mm. we have a tendency to open up to the work of God. And so, pray for the Lord to send workers into his harvest field. I think Jesus' words there fit that example perfectly.
2: And I think what you were saying, again, the context is specifically the people in your life. Yes. My friends, my family, yeah. you know, the language we use here is our one. Yeah. Like, God has strategically um, put them in your life, probably because, not probably, but for sure because you do have the gospel message and they don't. Mm-hmm. And so we keep looking like, well, hopefully somebody shares it with them. Right. And God's looking going, hey, Josh, I actually put you there yeah. for that reason. Again, I'm not in Gaza. Yeah, I'm not over there. I'm not in Israel. I'm not in those places. So it can be, Lord, in this moment, the churches that already exist there, can you use the people who are there in mighty yep. ways? Yep. So that is, I think, a very different context yep. of praying for the world versus praying for my neighbor. Yep. Who God has said, but but Josh, you you could do that. Yep. Like I I can't do yep. that over there. And, in
1: fact, I've commanded you to do that. That's yes. part of the. That's, <laughs> that's part of the
2: call. Hundred yeah. percent. So
0: that's really good. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. An interesting question that came from Scott. Um, he says this, Jason said, the Holy Spirit will never control us. Uh, but in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 23, Samuel is going to Rah- uh, Ramah to kill David and says, the Spirit of God came on me uh, and he was walking along, uh, professing, uh, oh, sorry, prophesying. Uh, it's clear that Samuel wanted to kill David. Uh, sorry, Saul, gosh, Saul wanted to kill David. But the spirit stopped him. How is this not control? How is this different than maybe what we were talking about on Sunday?
1: So first, let me just say, hey, nice job, Scott, for going and digging and doing some homework of taking the message and uh, and then going to try to figure out if what I'm saying is legit. So that's a huge win for me to just to hear that. So I probably I got a couple of thoughts that we can chat through on that one. The first one I would just be uh pointing us back to the uh, week 2 actually the sermon that Josh shared with us and and my first thought would be to say hey look what we ex- what we see expressed about the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament is different than what the Holy Spirit does under the new covenant. And so again, we we remember that when Josh was talking about Joel chapter two, that there was going to be something different and distinct and new that the Holy Spirit was going to come and do in the lives of the people of God. So uh, it's it's difficult for us to try to look at these Old Testament moments where the Holy Spirit would show up in and in, in people's lives or into circumstances. Um, it's hard to take those and just lay them on top of what he has, what he does as the Paraclete, the one who is coming that Jesus promised would be the fulfillment of the promise of God. So I, I don't think it's a one to one. So that's why you'll you won't find anything like what you found in in uh, the Old Testament. You won't find that in the New Testament. And again, we could get into the whole conversation related to Saul himself, like in Saul's own story, by the time you get to 1 Samuel chapter, I think it is, I think it's 16, maybe it's nine. It's like they're running together in my head. Uh God removed the spirit from Saul. So, at one time, he had the spirit, and then God took the spirit away and actually sent in an evil spirit to torment Saul. So, again, the, the what God was doing with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is different than what we experience in the New Testament. Um, in the same vein, just talking about the broader, big, bigger idea. So you're asking the question is, hey, didn't he control Saul in the Old Testament? And I would say, maybe, yeah, I'll give you that. Granted, sure. We can say that Saul went to kill David and God through the Holy Spirit kept him from doing so. Um, and I would say, as we say all the time, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. God can do whatever he wants. Uh, we have to look at what's normative, what do we see, what's given to us to see over and over and over again, and you just don't see God using the Spirit to overpower people. Um, I would utilize this as an exception that actually proves the rule. If you decide that you're going to go and try to kill the one through whom the Messiah is promised to come, yeah, the God might utilize the Holy Spirit to stop you from doing that but I think in the same vein you would say the Holy Spirit didn't control Saul because if Saul was under the control of the spirit would he actually be out to kill David mm. so again we I put those things in a separate category um what we experience in the New Testament the indwelling of the spirit the spirit becoming our our paraclete, our advocate is different than what we experience in the Old Testament. So again, just trying to put it into the new covenant um, to overpower. If the Holy Spirit was to control us, for many of us, that would be a contradiction to what we understand about how God works in the lives of people. If he were to control us, that would mean he would be overpowering our free will that, w- that was the whole point I was, tr- I was making, and I think I tried to say this explicitly in every sermon, that what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit making us do something we don't want to do or keeping us from doing something we want to do. And I, again, what we learn about in the, in the way that God operates is that He does He doesn't make us. He invites us. He woos us into following after him. In fact, to make us, to control us would actually contradict part of who he is. It goes against the fruit of the spirit of the Holy Spirit trying to create in us self-control. It would actually contradict that very fruit of the spirit that's written down to tell us that this is what God does. Um, I think about Titus chapter two kind of addresses the same thing. When it says, uh, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion, and to live self controlled, godly lives in this present age as we wait for the appearance of our Savior. So, again, what the Holy Spirit is trying to produce, what the grace of God produces in us. Is not a spirit controlled in in that we can't defy him. What he produces in us is self-control. And he works through self-control by empowering us to act out on self-control. And again, I would just say the fact that we can and do grieve him and disobey him and quench him would all speak to the fact that he allows us to overpower him. He is inviting us to obey the Lord and to submit to him. And every time we have this tug in our soul that we see the Holy Spirit is calling us to go do this thing or to say this thing or to pick up and call that person or to go visit or to serve in this way, every time we sense those things in us, It does not come from a place where the Holy Spirit is overwhelming us and mandating or removing our autonomy. That's what we mean by control. Because there are, again, people who would say that the Holy Spirit made them do this thing. They lost their autonomy. The picture I used was of Bruce Banner, right? Where you have this supernatural something that comes over you and you don't have any control over it, it does everything and you black out and you don't remember and somebody has to tell you. There are people who say that the Holy Spirit does that to them, yet we never see that in scripture. We never see that in the New Testament under the new covenant that someone would lose their autonomy. In fact, as we're going to learn this week, the command of under the new covenant over and over and over again is be led by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. All three of those phrases will be used in the text that we're going to look at this weekend. because we have to do so willingly. When we're led, we are led by the Spirit. We are not driven by the Spirit. And those are two different things. You can lead, you can lead uh, sheep, you have to drive cows. Like we are being called to follow. The Spirit leads us and we follow. He doesn't drive us. He doesn't mandate or manipulate or to control us. So, uh, so Scott, again, thank you. I think it's great you look at, at Saul. Again, I just don't think that is the biblical picture of what we should be thinking about, how the Holy Spirit works under the new covenant.
0: That's really good. And we talked even a little bit about that maybe on this podcast. Did we talk about some of the instances in judges here? Or was that off air? I can't remember. I don't remember. Okay. Well, we had talked about, uh, yeah, it might've been off air, but I'm um, just trying to identify some of the ways that the spirit is working in the life of Samson for say, or some of the other examples yeah. um, uh, of some of the judges. So I remember having bits yeah. and pieces of that conversation and identifying the a little bit of the difference of the old covenant and new covenant yeah. promises. So, uh, hey, last question um, is this, Uh, If the spirit will never leave us, does that mean once we've got him, he's never going anywhere? There's no way to no longer
1: have him. So, um, that's, okay. So, the way that we phrased it in the sermon, I I chose these words very specifically, is that as long as you are in Christ, the spirit will be in you. Like, there's just, that is a 100%. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the way that we know that, like if you're in Christ, the Spirit will be in you. Um, that's just the promise of Scripture. The question that would become then okay, does that, what if somebody chooses to walk away from Christ? What if somebody decides to, as as uh, I think it's is it First Timothy where it's talked about those who have shipwrecked their faith, where they've actually walked away about all of those warnings that you find in Hebrews that talk about don't turn back, don't go back to what you were living in the way that you were living before. Um, Hebrews chapter six does give us a really stern warning as it relates to this. So, I me. Mean, try to pull it up here real quick so Hebrews 6 sorry having a hard time finding here we go Hebrews 6 does say and this is really this is a scary piece of it, it says it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and here's the piece that's important for us. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance, to their loss. They are crucifying the Son of God over all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So, in this text, it is very clear that there are people who have shared in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's very clear. That's exactly what the text says. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit. And then they walked away. And because of that, um, the whole warning of this text is they're not going to make it. And so there is this sense in which we have to stay in Christ. Like The promise is if you are in Christ, the Spirit is in you. That is... 100% 100% crystal clear. So, as long as we keep walking in Christ, we can know the promise is true, that he will be with us forever.
0: That's really good. Uh, and that was also our last question. Anything else you guys want to add as a final parting note or wisdom?
2: No, I think we're
0: good.
1: I, I mean, I think, I feel like. Hey, I'm good. here's what I'd say. We still got, what, four more weeks in the Holy Spirit. So, we... uh We are just, again, there's so much more that we could talk about throughout this series. And it does seem that the Lord is doing some work with this. It's been really, I'm getting a lot of feedback of of how helpful this has become for people. So uh, I'm just grateful to get to to walk this out. And again, continue to encourage you guys to ask your questions. And let's dig into it together.
0: That's good. Well, if there's no other way uh, to end, then let's end on a high note for Josh's sake here. Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> Do you know, Do you, know? Do you know. this. I wish we were doing video so everyone could see you right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. I think
0: we should say goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you again next week.